the man of tomorrow is on and yeah this is coming a little late well again sooner or later <laughs> i will get back onto a more consistent schedule uh well anyway patrons know you know just how how crazy uh life has been for me throughout 2019 and so, you know, again, we'll, we'll get it to where, where things are coming out on time all the time and just how I like to do it and how I've generally done it, mostly done it for the past seven years. In fact, you know, I kind of don't get it. Like I know, I know some podcasts where, I mean, and, and honestly, half the time, all they do is have some ridiculous guest on and they can release episodes whenever they want. And nobody seems to care. There's no uh, lack or, or drop in support whatsoever. And they just, I mean, literally you have no idea when you're going to get an episode, but you just, you know, we'll keep throwing money at them or whatever the hell they're doing. And I, I always find it to just be the, the weirdest fucking thing, <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> I mean, I get it. I love you. And I'm glad you're excited for every new episode of Sovereign Tech. I'm not complaining about that at all, but just like, wow, you know, <sighs> Anyway, I always, I always give you sooner or later, I always make sure you get hooked up and you know, you got it here. So anyway, uh, got a, got a couple of good questions to get into with this. In fact, I'm going to do an old school thing, uh, for this Q and a, where I'm going to give you a movie review, uh, towards the end of it, which I used to do in the past, where if I couldn't fit it in, into a sovereign tech prime episode, which I won't be able to this week, but, uh, well, anyway, spoiler alert to Hoy, cause it's going to be a very new movie, but later on, we're going to give you a bit of a movie review for the new Godzilla film, Godzilla King of the Monsters, which had just come out a uh, lot of longtime listeners of Sovereign Tech and Zomia One content, uh, know how big of a Godzilla fan, um, you know, that I am. And so I was very, very excited for this, but, uh, I will be giving that review and we've got a great tech question to get into. Um, and then also got a, got a bit of an entertainment question and then we got a great album of the week. So got a great Q and a lined up for you. Of course, get your questions, your questions in to BBS at sovereign Go ahead and email me and, uh, or you can tweet at me actually as well. Uh, of course at sovereign tech, um, you know, I change my name on that all the time. It, it never changes from at sovereign tech. That's always going to stay the same, but it seems to be the popular thing. I don't know, to have some stupid fucking name on there. So not that I'm one for doing the popular thing, but whatever, if I don't have to put, you know, my name on it. Great. Anyway, right now I think it might be like Lord Dracon or something like that. Whatever, <laughs> which the cool kids know who Lord Dracon is, baby. Ooh. Um, anyway, so uh, got a, got some great stuff to get into. You know, something I want to bring up quick, um, because we're going to have the, uh, the episode of, uh, well, Sovereign Trek, not Sovereign Tech, but the episode of Sovereign Trek, uh, coming out in pretty short order. And something I've, you know, I'll tell you something I've really realized. So recently Ellen and I have been watching, of course, that's Ellen Stallone. I, I assume you knew that, but anyway, Ellen and I have been watching, we've been rewatching the original series of Star Trek um, you know, during dinner or whatever. And, you know, I, I've really, especially in light of a lot of what happens in discovery, even though that show, who oh boy, um, in, <laughs> in light of all that, I've really come to notice when rewatching the original series that, and we're, I, I think Ellen and I are going to have a conversation about this on, on sovereign Trek, but Star Trek really is in its entirety with every series, every movie, put it all together, even the Kelvin timeline shit. And that's where it's even really blatant, but Star Trek really is the story of Spock. Like, you know, whether that was, I mean, I don't think it was intentional. In fact, I think Spock was really created to be 
the character of Spock was just created to be a foil uh, and to shine a light on humanity and perhaps where humanity does something that doesn't make sense and where humanity can improve. But that's what he was meant to be. Not that Spock himself was the thing to emulate. And I'm not saying that Spock is the thing to emulate. I think maybe older Spock is more of a thing to emulate, but then older Spock is more in touch with his emotions and, you know, there's a balance in his life. But regardless of all that, I mean, and always keep in mind that Star Trek ultimately is in the hands of a multitude of writers, not just one. So there's not exactly one vision, you know, for, for Star Trek. But regardless, Star Trek has become, consciously or unconsciously, has really become the story of Spock. You might as well call it Spock Trek, frankly. Uh, and again, I think this is true for every series. Even The Next Generation, I feel like, is very much the story of Spock, not just because of the two unification episodes um, or even the episodes of Sarek, but it really is. All of these things, it's really the story of Spock uh, all the way around. And Spock, I think, always... In in a, to put it in a vernacular, as he would like to say, he's always the one to have a last, the last laugh in a, in a very real way. And, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, so anyway, just something to think about. And I think we're going to get into a deeper conversation around that in an upcoming Sovereign Trek. And maybe we'll have a couple conversations around that. Uh, cause I'd love to get, uh, Rob's, uh, you know, take on that as well. So anyway, but it was just something that I was really noticing and, and, it's funny when you watch it, when you rewatch, like, especially the first season of Star Trek, like you forget a couple points here. One is you forget just how much that Star Trek really didn't have it together, honestly, until the second season. And as much as people may not like the third season, like when I think back on it, the third season is when Star Trek really got its polish and it got its, its real set style where this is the visual language of Star Trek, et cetera, et cetera. Even though when you watch the, you know, the, like say the Blu-ray editions or the remastered editions that, uh, you know, CBS aired when they kind of first took over the franchise, uh, back, you know, this is back on, on the network CBS, not CBS all access. But when you go back to that, or, or when you, when you watch those with the updated effects, special effects and everything, and it, oh, it's so fucking gorgeous. It just, those special effects just make the show totally come alive. Um, in fact, we're, there was the episode, was it Court Martial? I think it was the episode Court Martial, where Kirk is accused of killing the officer, uh, Lieutenant Commander Ben Finney the records officer aboard the Enterprise, who, you know, you find out that's not really the case. But regardless, like when they're at this planet and they're at this starbase, Commodore Stone's kind of starbase on this planet, like when they show the Enterprise in orbit of this planet, you know, there's um, there's another, uh, you know, another Constitution class ship there. There's shuttlecraft flying all over the place. Like it really makes the 23rd century really come alive. It's so gorgeous. Fuck. I love what they did with that. I wish more. I really do wish more shows would add in, you know, all of these, you know, like where we would update these shows with modern effects that way. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't change anything because I know where I tried watching the updated versions of, um, of the original series where I tried watching the whole series through with other people and they still just thought, Oh no, it, this just looks, you know, it's too old. The acting doesn't work. It, it, it's too dumb, etc. So, you know, I don't know if adding in, like if you updated the effects, say on lost in space, I don't know if that, and I mean the, the real lost in space, not the Netflix horseshit. 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if that would get new people to watch. Like, I don't know if that would work. I guess maybe it just takes a special person to to appreciate the classics. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I had another point on that. I don't know if I... Now I can't think of what that was. Well, anyway, I'm sure we'll, we're will we going to have bigger conversations around that in future episodes of Sovereign Trek. Of course, the Zomi One Underground Q&A is where you can ask questions for any of the shows on Zomia One. It doesn't just have to be Sovereign Tech. Uh, so... You know, go ahead and get those in. Does you have questions about, you know, about Sovereign Trek, about whatever, you know, go for it. Um, I did get some, uh, boy, a great, honestly, a rant, and I love it, <laughs> from a great guy uh, for the most recent episode or in reference to the most recent episode of TIE Fighter Renegades. But I'm actually going to, we're, I, Rob and I will read that on TIE Fighter Renegades. Okay. Um, and I really want, you know, I want to put this out to you because I've put this out to some, uh, to some other, well, if you're a patron of Zomia one, I consider you at the very least an executive producer. Um, you know, if you have something you want to review or if there's something you want to get out there, get in touch with me. Uh, because I actually, you know, reached out to a great guy, uh, recently and, and I was like, you know, if you want your voice to be heard, go ahead and record this bit, you know, and, and, and let's put it into a show. And you're going to you're going to hear that not in this episode, but in an upcoming episode. And and I think that'd be so cool because I know you listeners. I mean, you're you're just and, and I'm not saying this just because you listen to the show, but I, I just I know. And of course, it's partly a filter, I suppose, <laughs> at least for me personally, my own bias. Uh, you're brilliant people. So you got something to say, you know, let's say it, let's get your voice out there. I'm, I'm happy to do that. So write in, I'll get it up on, you know, on the open shows and everything, but, uh, but I really appreciated what this person had to share, uh, as far as star Wars goes. And so we're going to actually, I'm going to read that. I'm going to make it a part of, uh, this month's tie fighter, uh, renegades. So anyway, um, let's see. Yeah. Why don't we get into, let's just get into our main questions here and, uh, and then we can get into to everything else. So, all right, here's, uh, here's the first one. Um, hey, Stallion, I was, uh, I was intrigued by your conversation recently about how you can just consume everything from your smartphone. Um, okay, so I'm going to stop there. So a, a couple Q&As ago, maybe a few, I don't know, we kind of did two Q&As really that, that covered this uh, conversation. Um, I had mentioned about the convenience, I mean, the absolute convenience of the smartphone and how like it just gives you access to to everything anything you want to in fact if you listen to uh the most or well not the most recent the way sovereign tech got released this week is is kind of odd but if you listen to i guess well, what episode would this be would that be episode 329 if you listen to episode 329 of sovereign tech where i was talking about um well I, I didn't exactly get into this aspect of it, but about living in obscurity. Okay. And when is enough, you know, what is, what is enough, you know, for you to, to where you have uh, the happiness that you're looking for and everything. I mean, I, and I know minimalists are big on this where you don't spend money on things. You spend money on, ex on experiences. Overall, I agree with that. Like I don't really on a personal level, and I don't mind if, if there's people who are different about this on a personal level, I don't really care about things. Um, I want the memories, you know, that I can look back on and the things that I can say that I do. That's part of the reason, believe it or not, 
why I can do a fairly entertaining podcast is because I really have, you know, always have something to say. Uh, and just about on anything, not to say that I always have like the most brilliant, uh, exposition or, or, you know, uh, or brilliant, uh, comment to make on everything, but I can kind of talk about everything. Why? Because I've experienced a lot in my life, you know, at 38 years old, um, I've done a lot already. In fact, I know I've done more than most people who are 38 years old for that matter. Um, so, you know, doing things is what, and especially also, like we mentioned in episode 329, I mean, if you're somebody looking for love, well, you know, some people, something that people find really sexy isn't necessarily having a shit ton of money, isn't having a nice car, isn't having blah, blah, blah. It's being someone with experience, someone who can tell stories of their lives and what they've done and interesting ones at that, you know, not like, oh man, well, I had this Facebook conversation the other day because believe me, it, you know, hopefully any gal or guy you're trying to woo, uh, no, trying to woo is, <laughs> you know, if they heard you start saying that their eyes would glaze over because like, wow, this person's boring as fuck. So I think having experiences, even ones that are just like crazy, you know, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've lived out of my car, things like this. I mean, this is, this is stuff that makes you an interesting person, right? Um, you know, it's, it's important to do that. And it's amazing how easily you can, shall we say, set up and acquire uh, experiences with your smartphone in varying ways. Either, you know, your friends can contact you or you can use an app to, I don't know, very quickly order tickets to go do something, uh, or, you know, use booking.com and, uh, make sure you use the sovereign tech link for that or the hard and fast link for that, but, <laughs> you know, use booking.com to get your hotel or whatever, or, you know, I'll tell you, so, so, you know, Ellen and I, we were, um, you know, we were having, uh, we were having breakfast and we're, you know, we were out having breakfast and, uh, I thought I was like, oh wait, you know, I better get these tickets for, uh, for Godzilla, you know, for Godzilla King of the Monsters. And I go to the Adam app with A T O M, you know, and you find out like, as long as, you know, you have a theater nearby and I haven't always had this, but as long as you have a theater nearby that works with it, you can, you can go into it and like, you can choose your seats, you know, and everything. And, and was, and I looked at, it, I'm like, holy shit, you know, it was, it was like a, a, you know, midday show, uh, what would you call it? A matinee. And like the, the seats were almost gone. And it was when we got to the theater, I mean, it was a jam packed theater, it, it, you know, even, even the front seats and we had to get, you know, seats that were, that were really, really close, but it was so handy to be able to, you know, otherwise if I waited until showtime, you know, to, to go, to go and see this movie the tickets probably would have been sold out. So I had to order it ahead of time. And then, you know, you go to the theater and I mean, the Adam app will actually text you a picture of a QR code that are your tickets. And, you know, you can just scan them and away you go. I mean, yeah, it, it's amazing how you can consume and again, acquire experiences or set up experiences through your smartphone. And I've really come to realize this just, you know, just, to, just how, how easy and how quickly, uh, you know, and, and it, because of the ease, it really inspires you to experience more. Right. So again, I get it. Why people love their smartphones. I really understand it. I see the advantages. I see the, the ease, uh, you know, I see all of this or, you know, how you can just, I mean, all of my music I can listen to on my smartphone, especially, I mean, shit. And, and it's just going to get even crazier because now, you know, we do have, I mean, we knew that two terabyte, micro SD cards were coming down the pike. I mean, we've known that for years now, 
Um, and there have been phones already built that can handle a two terabyte micro SD card once those finally came out. Again, now they're out there. Um, I mean, you could put a pretty hefty music collection, movie collection, whatever. You don't even need a Plex server. You don't have to stream. You can have it all, you know, right on your device. Uh, you know, at, once you get to that point, uh, quite frankly, but yeah, it's great for consumption. I mean, that's ultimately what it is as a consumption device, you know, even perhaps more so than a communication device really. Uh, but it, it is also that, but yeah, I, I you know, have audible on there, uh, what, whatever the fuck you, you know, you want and how you, you know, the YouTube app, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can just, you can consume it all. It's, it's pretty remarkable, but anyway, so all of that is to say, okay, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, or that, that is, that's kind of a roundup of the conversation that we had with a little extrapolation upon it about how, you know, it's amazing what you can do with your smartphone as far as just like living life or perhaps consuming. Now, going after experiences and just consuming content, you know, that's two very different things. And one of those taken to its extreme is not living life anymore. Right. So anyway, um, all right, let, let me, let me, let, let's start with the question again. Cause I only got about like a sentence in and there's more here. Hey stallion. I was intrigued by your conversation recently about how you can just consume everything from your smartphone straight up. I don't pay for anything. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> No, no, no complaints here. <laughs> so anyway, straight up, I don't pay for anything. No Audible, no Spotify, no Netflix, none of it. I know you, well, kudos to you, sir, <laughs> or, or, or ma'am, or Z, uh, bravo. Um, I know you can torrent on an Android device, but what's your best pick for that? And what's your process if you do the same? Keep the audio coming, man. Thank you. Um, and I will keep the audio coming, even though sometimes it's a little delayed, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so to torrent on an Android device. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of apps that, that really, that let you do this. Um, I would, I use, and it's the same app I've been using for years. Uh, in fact, within those years, like half of that time there, there was a point where they re-released the app. And you could, if you still had the old version installed, you could use it. It's called T torrent, just the letter T and then torrent. Okay. And this isn't going to affect you now if you don't have it already. Okay. But there's a pro version of T-Torrent that doesn't have ads and has some extra features and everything. The developers did a very, and I talked about this, I think on Sovereign Tech years ago when it happened, the developers like re-released the app, basically making it so that for the pro version, you have to pay. It's like, I don't know, four or five bucks. Basically they re-released it so that you had to pay again. And I'm not exactly sure how they got away with this, you know? I get it. And I actually kind of defended them because I'm glad that they don't do a subscription model because otherwise I wouldn't use it. I hate subscription model apps. I'll pay once. In fact, I mean, basically what I had to do is, is, you know, cause after I got a new smartphone at some point, I had to buy the app again. Okay. You know, to be able to get access to it. Now it was a great app, so I'm happy to do it. And I easily would have paid 10 bucks for the app itself, which is ultimately what I would end up paying after buying it twice. But they made it so like, yeah, if you wanted the pro version, you had to pay again. And obviously they did this because they had maxed out really, or close to maxed out on how many people would want to torrent on a smartphone in the, in the first place. And so they weren't going to make any more money, even though they were continually, and they really were, they were continually putting in new features and developing this app, even though one could argue how much more can you really add to, you know, a, a torrent app, 
right? I mean, there aren't that many improvements to do, especially on, you know, on a mobile platform. Um, I get it. I understand what they were doing. I understand why they did it. And I wasn't really that harsh about it. I'm amazed Google allowed for it to happen. Um, but basically they just, they wanted another payday and they, and I, I honestly, I think they deserve one. I don't want to do a subscription service, but I think that they deserve one. If they ever pull that stunt again, that's up to you whether or not you find that acceptable. If they ever wanted to, you know, years down the line, charge me another $4, I don't know, for the Fuchsia version of the app or something, right? I'd pay it because I have gotten so much wonderful joy out of, you know, out of this app. So I know you said in the question, you don't pay for anything. You should pay for this. You don't have to. But I think you should pay for this. It, it's $4 and it's going to give you so much fucking content. You know, I mean, if I'm going to guess you torrent a lot if you don't have Spotify, if you don't pay for Spotify, Audible or Netflix. Um, you know, I, I, I understand. Okay. <laughs> like you can, but rock and roll with, with T-Torrent. It is, it's worth every penny. It is a fantastic app. It's one of the few apps to this day that actually still has a native shutdown command where you can tell it to turn the fuck off. And, you know, it's where most things you have to like kind of clear it from the cache and you have to, it's a pain in the ass, but this just has a straight shutdown, uh, uh, you know, version to, or uh, a command to it. And, also, I mean, it's had a dark theme forever, which that's nice, right? I mean, long before dark theme was even a big deal for a lot of people, but I love this app. Um, so that's the one that I recommend. I don't recommend any other. This, this is just the one to go with. They do it right. It's a fantastic app. It does get updated. Um, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's on point. Now, as far as process goes, so a few different ways to go about this. Now, me personally, I do pay for content. Um, I pay for like CBS all access. I don't pay for Netflix. I'm not a part of that cult. Uh, but you know, I do, um, I do have, you know, I do pay for CBS all access. Uh, I do pay for audible. Um, I do, I don't pay for Spotify. I do not pay as far as music goes, but then I will buy albums, right? Like that, that's music's kind of a different animal. Uh, as far as like movies. Yeah. I buy Blu-rays. Okay. So I do pay for content. But I can understand where other people wouldn't want to. And, you know, I can certainly, I mean, part of the reason where, where when I do pay for content or where perhaps more interestingly, where I don't pay for content is because I disagree with the, the forced and artificial scarcity of the distribution models that exist. Okay. Like I don't trust, I'll put the money down on anything, but I don't trust you know, that like Spotify is going to be here in a year. I don't trust that, you know, I, I, I just, I don't trust these, these content distributors. I, I just don't, I want to have hard copy or at least local copy if it's digital of whatever the fuck it is. You know, I say this all the time. I buy books on Amazon, but I strip them of their DRM instantly because I don't trust Amazon that they're going to allow me to keep my book. I don't like that. All right. That that's, that that's a reality that we live in. So, you know, the, the byproduct of that is that there are things that are available from, shall we say the public library. Okay. <laughs> Which is just a fancy way, uh, on sovereign tech that we've been saying for years, um, of, of torrenting. Okay. So I have no problem with, you know, with people doing that, obviously. Uh, and even if, and I know there have been people that have done this where there is a lot of content 
that was behind a paywall for Sovereign Tech and for Zomia One, where people have put it out there for free. I don't give a shit. Do 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 what you do. I'm not going to come after you. You know, I I, I get it. So anyway. Um, but also, obviously, I appreciate and love the people that have the ability to support me and who, you know, who do support my work. I, I really appreciate that. Um, okay. So now if I were doing this, okay, uh, one nice thing is that really, you know, understand this first and foremost, the Pirate Bay is still around. It's still uh, vital, I would say. Vital as in like it's still alive and it's still putting out great shit. Fortunately, the Tor browser, which we talked about in a recent Sovereign Tech, the Tor browser for Android is now out of alpha. And, I mean, there's still an alpha version that you can get that uses, you know, that's like a, well, beta version, like, of the Tor browser. But I would not use that unless you really don't care. Um, there... You, you could use that Tor browser for Android to get to the Pirate Bay. And basically then that can, you know, as soon as you hit the magnet link, that will open up ttorrent. You could also, in whatever web, whatever web browser you happen to be using, you like, you can go to audiobookbay.nl. And if you want to do audiobooks, cause you said you don't do audible. If you want to do audiobooks, you can just download them right from ttorrent or, you know, right from the website and, and audiobook bay looks great on mobile because it's such a, a simple site and you can just download it you know, right to your, right to your smartphone. And another app that I think you should pay for is smart audiobook player. You don't have to pay for it, but I recommend the pro version and smart audiobook player, you know, is, is better than any audiobook of, you know, quote unquote professional as in like the audible app or something like that, way better than any professional audiobook um, app out there as far as feature set and, and so on. And so, you know, you could just, you could download it instantly to your smartphone and then, you know, right with T-Torrent, right from the website, and then just put it into your audiobook folder on your, you know, on your smartphone and just play it with smart audiobook player and away you go. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Um, I would set up like a separate downloads folder. And if you have a, you know, an SD card slot on your phone, obviously you're going to want to put in 128, at least 128 gig or so, uh, you know, micro SD card. That way you can actually handle all of these torrents that you're going to be torrenting. Um, but that's, that's really the way to go. And a lot of torrent sites look pretty good on mobile. And you could just like, if you know, if you're like me, if you're into comic books, you can go to worldwidetorrents.eu and just instantly download, um, you know, just, just download the, uh, the, the comic books right from there. And then you could put, well, here, here's another app. <laughs> that you can pay another $4 for. So I know, I know you said you don't pay for anything, but these apps I really think are, are worth it. Um, but there's moon reader or moon plus reader pro, I think is the name of it. That's what I use to read comics, um, like on my tablet or, or on my smartphone if I need to. And it's also great for reading PDFs and EPUBs and all that. I mean, it's really, really slick. So there's like three apps for you to get, to be able to consume content. Uh, three of those you have to pay for. Of course, if you're doing video, VLC player on Android is fucking awesome for a million reasons, right? Because for one, you can actually just listen to the audio of a video that you put on. Like if you're listening to a documentary, you could just listen to the documentary while you have your screen off or you're doing other things because VLC allows for that. Kind of like how if you did a paid subscription for YouTube, if you did like YouTube premium or whatever that is, or, uh, where or YouTube red, I don't know what they call it now but where that would allow you to play, you know, audio in the background, 
VLC player allows you to do that. Again, you're going to want, though, you're going to want a, you know, a hefty, um, some, some storage, extra storage on your, on your smartphone to be able to really, you know, do all this and, and do it well. Um, uh, but yeah, it's totally possible to, to do all of it for free, frankly. I mean, y- y- yeah, I recommend buying a few apps, you know, like three apps and, and then just use VLC player. But other than that, I mean, and, and you're, you're good to go, you know, you're, you're ready to fly, uh, with all that. And, and like I said, I would create a separate folder to just cause the apps might get confused if you are playing them directly from the, the same folder where the torrents are being downloaded via ttorrent and ttorrent's great. Cause you can just like you can on a computer with like qubit torrent or something, you can direct what folder you want these things to, to go with. And, and I suppose that let's bring up that other app as well. I'm going to actually, I am going to do an entire, and uh, I had a, a listener recommend this, do like an Android setup of what, you know, all the, the Android apps that I use on my, on my phone and what that looks like. Um, I am going to do that, but this is kind of, I guess, in some ways a preview of that. Um, I have said in the past, I used to recommend ES file Explorer, but of course there were issues, very serious security concerns around ES file Explorer that where I don't recommend using that anymore, but Google's files app, which is available to any smartphone. Now, um, Google's files app is a brilliant little, uh, you know, file, uh, file explorer and file management app. So you're going to want to use that, get comfortable with that to, you know, as in be able to use it well to where you can manage a lot of this, well, a lot of this consumption media that you're going to, you know, be taking in or that you're going to have. Um, so that, that's really how, how I would go about that. I don't always do that sort of stuff. I might sometimes what we just described, but, (laughs) but I, I really do. Like, again, I have so many, I mean, I have tons of audible books that I've yet to listen to, believe it or not. Um, I have a lot of, well, I have a lot of things that I haven't taken in yet. Um, I'm behind on certain comic books and everything, but, or basically I'm saying like, I have tons of paid content that I haven't even gotten to yet that I need to get to yet, you know? So the free content, I'm not, not even at that stage, but if you are, Hey, kudos, you know, rock, rock and roll. Okay. Um, so, all right. Anyway, I, I think I did. I think we got that, that question, uh, covered well enough. But speaking of entertainment, I uh, got a response from someone who asked a question that we got into last week about is entertainment actually dead? So this is kind of a conversation we've been having. This will be the third episode where we've been or third Q&A where we've sort of been having this conversation. So uh, let me read the, the email here. Yo, MI6, that's Mission Impossible 6, was upsetting because in this in the first two minutes, they used the word anarchy pejoratively, and then they had to shoehorn in Wolf Blitzer into the fucking movie. Uh, I hate when they do that stuff. So is Trump uh, the, the president in this movie? No, but they'd probably be fine with having it be Obama or Hillary. How about it just be fictional, not remind us of the real world when watching a fucking movie? Neil deGrasse Tyson's cameo in Batman vs. Superman was awful too. Uh, they gotta stop doing this. I fell asleep during the rest of MI6. It was late and haven't revisited it just yet. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought Mission Impossible 6 was, was that one? Was that Rogue Nation? Whatever the the latest one. Anyway, uh, I actually thought that was, that was, it was pretty good. It wasn't the best one that they've done. Uh, I would give that to either. Well, Mission Impossible 2 is easily the best Mission Impossible movie. Ghost Protocols pretty up there. But this one, this one was, uh, was, was pretty good. Uh, anyway, yeah, you know, I hear you about this where like they try to make things feel more real, 
by bringing in like real newscasters um, or whatever. I mean, it would be, you, you know, the, the reason that, that they won't put in like the actual president a lot of times is because, you know, politics is so dividing. Like you get it that CNN is a news source that's out there and whether people like it or not, you know, they, they recognize that it is somewhat authoritative in what it is. And I think, but when it comes to like politicians, it becomes an issue where you're going to divide people and where people are going to very easily say, oh, there's a conspiracy here. You know, this movie was made to make my guy that I voted for look like an idiot or something like that. And so Hollywood being concerned, not with making great art, but being more concerned with getting as many asses in seats as possible and basically appealing to the lowest common denominator, they steer clear of, you know, having like actual, generally having actual politicians, um, in it, unless it's like politicians really trying to save like everybody, the entire planet, maybe they'd allow for that. But, you know, if, if it's a politician where there's any kind of questionableness or anything around what's going on, that's why they don't use like real politicians. I, I imagine, you know, that question asker, but you get my point. Um, but I'm, I'm also with you. I, I don't think there's any need to do that. Uh, it's a nice shortcut to where it does bring on a certain authoritativeness. If you bring in like, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson or Wolf Blitzer or Sean Hannity, he's been in movies, right. Or, or, you know, other people. Um, and that way you don't have to like create a new character who is a newscaster or anything like that. But at the same time, if you show that it's a fictional news, um, broadcast, I think that gives you all the character exposition that you need, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't need to be much. They're just there to deliver the fucking news. Uh, so I'm very much, you know, I'm with you on that, uh, that, that it is, it is a little annoying and we are going to see movies generally, uh, as escapism. I mean, especially today, because there is no, there's very, very little, real social commentary in a lot of movies. I mean, sometimes there is, in fact, when we talk about Godzilla later, we could kind of say there is, but I don't necessarily think that's anything new. And I think it's a byproduct of Godzilla, uh, as a franchise in general. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I think most of us are going to see movies honestly to ignore, uh, what's happening in the world because what's happening is generally you know, in, in the, in the grand scheme and the global scheme is generally pretty shitty, you know, in our own lives, we can, you know, live in obscurity and be happy, but in the world in general, sure. Things fucking suck. Uh, especially when you have, you know, say like, you know, when, when you're an anarchist or something like that, like you realize you see so much author, uh, you know, authoritarianism all over the place that, Oh, it makes you sick. So Anyway, and, and, you know, you take in this content to hopefully, you know, forget about that for a little bit. Um, yeah, so so I really I hear you on that. Then I, I agree with your point. Like, you know, the, the, it's like, you know, we don't remind us of the real world when we're watching a fucking movie. I'm, I'm totally on board with you. Uh, OK, so let, let's read on here. Uh, anyway, you already reviewed Terminator Genesis, and I loved that movie, too, minus Jai Courtney as Kyle Reese. Yeah, I'm, I hear you on that. Uh, but it'd be fun if you reviewed the Terminator movies leading up to the new one. Um, I read that Amelia Clark has a horrible time making or had a horrible time making Genesis, uh, though, which is sad. She was excellent, though, in my opinion. Um, and yes, uh, 
I also really fucking hope Dark Fate does well and they continue the franchise without starting over again. Okay, so to comment on all that, uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody else saw this. The trailer for the new Terminator movie that is, I think I mentioned this previously in some episode somewhere, uh, that is coming out, I think, November 1st or in November of this year. Uh, I mean, looked looks fucking amazing. Um, yeah, I actually, Ellen and I already talked about it. We're going to to watch for me, it'll be a rewatch, but we'll watch all of the Terminator movies and we will do a complete review series of that, including a review of dark fate, whether or not dark fate, like all those reviews are going to be patron content, whether or not dark fate, that review is going to be patron content that remains to be seen. I'll, I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do with that. Um, but let's continue on. So, okay. Anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the Terminator movies, huge fan. Um, you know, salvation was not the best, but otherwise I liked Terminator three a lot. Um, obviously Terminator one and Terminator two are absolute classics. Uh, and I thought Genesis was a, was a good movie. I mean, I, I don't know if I want, maybe not. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd say like, great. I want to be careful using that word, but I thought Terminator Genesis was totally enjoyable. Uh, it was a great entry into the Terminator franchise. I'll say that much, you know, I mean, I really enjoyed the fuck out of that. Um, but dark fate is looking amazing. So looking forward to that. Um, let's read on. Uh, I know I've told you about Chuck before, like 17, 17 times. It's fine. LOL. But not only do you get to see Scott Bakula as Chuck's dad, you get to see Linda Hamilton as his mom. Um, it's great. So yeah, now there's the show Chuck. I've known about the show. I've heard about the show a bunch of times. And this person has brought it up to me many times and I still haven't watched it. I really am going to get to this, especially like Scott Bakula and Linda Hamilton being in it. I'm sold. I love Linda Hamilton. Speaking of which, I mean, having Linda Hamilton be, you know, a significantly older woman and still be badass in Dark Fate, I think is is amazing. And what a great statement uh, to make. You know, I, I really, really dig that. So again, I'm very much looking forward to that movie. Um, I mean, Linda Hamilton was one of my first crushes, you know, when I was growing up. Um, I mean, she was, well, I know I've talked about this in other, other, other Q and A's perhaps, but fuck man. Anyway. So (laughs) yeah, I'll watch, uh, I'll watch anything with Linda Hamilton in it. Let's, let's just put it that way. In fact, this patron uh, sent a clip showing Linda Hamilton in action, looking tremendous. And uh, actually, Dolph Lundgren is also in this show, which I, I love Dolph. Uh, so that that's that's a nice touch. You know, speaking of entertainment, um, that He-Man movie, right, that they finally they've confirmed is going to happen in 2021 or whatever. Uh, and there's that Noah guy. I, you know, before anybody asks, no, I am not impressed with the guy they got to play He-Man. As to where Dolph Lundgren was an awesome, I mean, in many ways is the perfect He-Man certainly in look. Uh, I know like his acting chops weren't exactly there yet at that time. He was very early into the industry. Dolph Lundgren now is widely recognized as a tremendous actor now. And I'm really, really glad for that. I mean, because he deserves it and he's put in the work. I mean, Dolph, Dolph Lundgren's and also he's like, he's a brilliant fucking dude. I mean, just talk about, you know, one of those, like, uh, I don't want to say alphas, one of those, you know, top notch guys that kind of has like a total package, you know, where he's got the body, he's got the brain, 
He's got the ability, you know, and all this other stuff. I mean, Dolph Lundgren is just one of those dudes. Big. I'm a huge fan. Uh, like, I love the movie Red Scorpion. Uh, that was another great one with him. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm glad he's very much getting his due these days. I know he's in a lot of different things. Uh, didn't know he was in Chuck, but that's cool. Just more reason to end up uh, watching uh, that show. Um, yeah, you know, something I, I just want to bring up quick. But I, I hear you, like, about the the idea that, you know, we want to escape into these worlds that we watch, um, you know, on in movies and on TV and all this different stuff. I mean, yeah, you, you raise a great point. And I don't know, I, I can imagine some people getting very conspiratorial, like putting Wolf Blitzer into a film is in a way like predictive programming where in your memory, like if you know, I, I could see where some, I'm not saying I believe this because I don't. But I could imagine where like your more Alex Jones types would be like, oh, yeah, they put Wolf Blitzer in that. That way, when this horrible thing actually ends up happening in real life that the New World Order has planned. Ironically, I'm wearing a New World Order shirt right now, <laughs> literally. Uh, but, uh, NWO, baby. NWO for life, brother. Uh, no, so. Uh, I can imagine where people would think they'd say, oh, yeah, this is for when the NWO actually or when the New World Order makes the stuff happen, that you will think back to Wolf Blitzer or Sean Hannity talking about it on newscast. You'll think it was you seeing it on CNN or something like that or maybe on a screen while you're at the gym. Uh, but actually, it was something that was like in this movie and, you know, that it's some kind of predictive programming. I, I don't buy that for I, I don't buy that for a second. I think that's crazy. I can imagine people come up with that sort of thing or think that sort of thing. Um, I That is planning on a scale that no human has ever really been able to, that I, I have no evidence that anyone's ever been able to achieve. And I just have a very hard time believing that, you know, stuff can be that well thought out on that that long of a timeline. I just, I just can't, I can't picture it. I mean, I, I do think that the powers that be, and again, you know, if we want to get into the conversation around the new world order and all this crap, I don't think there, I don't think there's like this one overarching new world order. I think, you know, if anything, there's like a bunch of different, you know, shadow groups vying for power. Right. Um, I do think that those kinds of groups or cults do put things into their movies that are perhaps some kind of a hidden message uh, at points. In fact, I dare say I know that that sort of thing happens by intelligence agencies and others. Like, But therefore, when they do those sorts of things, it's for a very small, very, very tiny group. Um, it is not something that's meant for like the masses to be predictively programmed or something like that. There's a huge conversation to have around that. Uh, and we're not going to have it right now. But if you want to ask me about it, I'll, I'll talk about it. Anyway, a movie where I could imagine people thinking that there's some predictive programming or something like that within it uh, because of what appears to be the overall message um, of the film. I don't agree with you, but whatever. <laughs> I can imagine there's people who think that. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. So this movie just came out. Uh, this past or th this weekend, which this Q&A was supposed to come out Wednesday before Godzilla King of the Monsters came out. That didn't end up happening. But regardless, going to give you a, a mini review here. Try not to. I I'll give you a spoiler warning here at the end. OK, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, because it might happen. But I, I don't know how much is actually spoiling. And 
it's a Godzilla movie. You really do know what you're going to get. Um, and that's probably the best thing to actually say about this film, like kind of from the onset is that this is, I think very much through and through, this is a Godzilla movie, what you would expect from a Godzilla movie. Now, an important thing to keep in mind with Godzilla is that there are, there are a multitude of series and different continuities that exist within the Godzilla franchise. Okay. There's really not just one Godzilla. So like if you ever went up and asked somebody say, Oh wow, you're a Godzilla fan. Why are you a Godzilla fan? What's you know, what, what makes it great for you and all this stuff. There's really not one answer to that because there are, are a lot of different interpretations of Godzilla. There are Godzilla movies that are deadly serious. There are Godzilla movies where they are clearly, I mean, downright almost comedic and comic booky. There are Godzilla movies where, you know, like they're intense action films. There's Godzilla movies where they're more, you know, raw dog sci-fi. There's a lot of, there's not just one type of Godzilla movie. Okay. There are a few overarching kind of types, but there's like five, six of those. Okay. And there are reboots of the series that Toho themselves, the original, you know, company that out of Japan that makes all the Godzilla movies have gone through. And that's not even counting Godzilla 98, right? The 1998, uh, us, you know, the one made by, uh, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, the guys who did, who were at the time in the nineties were white hot for, you know, making Stargate and, uh, independence day and so on. Uh, so there's a lot of different, you know, Godzilla, there's a lot of different continuities for Godzilla. And honestly, for, you know, this movie, Godzilla uh, King of the Monsters that just came out is a sequel to the uh, Gareth Edwards 2014 Godzilla, which is a movie I wasn't a huge fan of. But it's also a sequel to the Kong movie, which came out in, was that in 2017, later in 2017? Or was that 2018? Maybe it was 2018. Anyway, it it's a sequel to that movie as well, which we kind of, at the end of the movie Kong, the recent Kong film, you know, during the, like the end credits sequence, we got a hint of what would end up coming in this movie. Um, and you knew basically, I think everybody knew that it was going to be Godzilla versus, uh, Ghidra, or in this movie, they pronounce it as Ghidorah. There's been a few different ways of pronouncing, uh, Ghidra. I'm used to saying Ghidra, but in this, they call him Ghidorah. They even eventually call him King Ghidorah, uh, which was, you know, kind of a nice touch. But anyway, so, you know, for there to be a remake of Godzilla, there's nothing wrong with that because that's happened over and over again for decades with Godzilla. You know, I mean, it's just, it's not anything new. The company that even made Godzilla has remade it over and over again. And of course, um, I've recently done, uh, there were the, well, there was the, the trilogy, um, the animated trilogy of Godzilla that was done by Netflix, which is, you know, takes place way in the far future, you know, 10,000 years or whatever in the future. Um, I mean, like, that's even another interpretation. And that's fine. Like, in a world where I actually, in a world, no, in a world where I'm actually annoyed by most remakes, uh, Godzilla is one of those ones where, no, you, you can do that over and over again because it's been done over and over again. And we're just, you know, we're very much used to it and we expect it um, as, you know, as fans of, of kaiju films and of Godzilla, perhaps in particular. And partly that's because you're never meant to take, other than a couple of the Godzilla films throughout the years, uh, like maybe Shin Godzilla, the most recent one from Toho, which was fantastic, great Godzilla film, or the original Godzilla movie, 
you know, or maybe like Final Wars, which is my favorite. Godzilla Final Wars is easily my favorite Godzilla film. We're not meant to take them that seriously. And even Final Wars, Final Wars is just pure action nonstop. I mean, it just blows your mind. You're not meant to take them that seriously. So it's fine, you know, that 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 this kind of thing, ha- you know, that there's like remakes and all stuff and that kind of thing happens. So I'm, I'm okay with this. Um, this is Godzilla King of the Monsters to, to talk about the film uh, itself. This was clearly a movie. Now, now, again, look, most Godzilla movies are not like serious intellectual f- fare, right? I mean, they're just, they're not. Okay, nobody goes into a Godzilla movie, though, expecting that sort of thing. I mean, other than in Japan, some do. Like, that's why Shin Godzilla was so popular, because it was a very intellectual, deep film. Um, but that's generally not what you expect from a Godzilla movie. So for a Godzilla movie, like Godzilla King of the Monsters, to... It's very clear this is meant to appeal to the lowest common, lowest and largest common denominator, right? Like I was talking about earlier. But that's fine, because it's meant to be dumb popcorn flick stuff. Uh, but you can see all of the elements in this of where they're really trying to get every single ass that they could into seats. Um, it's directed by Michael Doherty instead of, you know, uh, Gareth Edwards being in charge of this one. I think the direction was a fine job. Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this right out front before I, I get into the, the whole lowest common denominator thing. Uh, I enjoyed the fuck out of this movie. I really did. I mean, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a great Godzilla film a great Godzilla film. I'm not going to say it's a great film. It's not Citizen Kane, but it's a great Godzilla film for what it is. I mean, I really fucking enjoyed it. Um, and I mean, there was points where I was like, you know, kind of banging my fist against my knee. Cause I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, cause you get, I mean, you get a lot of monsters in this you don't just get, you know, uh, Godzilla and Ghidorah. Um, I mean, Rodan shows up. In fact, there's a point particularly where I remember where I was hitting my, hitting my knee with my fist. And I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. We're, we're Rodan just like dive bombs effectively into, into Ghidra and bam. And, and it was, it, it's huge. And you just fucking feel it. Oh, it's incredible. Um, a lot of moments like that. Uh, I talk about the special effects in a second, but the actors, this is one where we got to start off talking about the actors here. Okay. Um, they pretty much grabbed somebody from every major show either running now or that has been running in the past five years. You got the guy, one of the Lannister guys from Game of Thrones. Um, you have the the lead guy from Silicon Valley, from the show Silicon Valley on HBO. Uh, he's in it. Um, you have the uh, the gal from uh, who plays Eleven on Stranger Things. She's in it. Uh, they, I mean, th- there's so many actors and actresses in this that you could tell they were just trying to pull in fandoms from major television shows running today. I mean, it was really over the top with the amount of, of, of people they were putting into it uh, to make it work. And, but I mean, but it worked. It was fine. I mean, obviously, they're all great actors. They're great at their craft. And so they they did bring a certain legitimacy to the outrageous, frankly, action and the outrageous things and I, 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 or fantastic things, fantastical things that are happening on the screen. So it's a nice shortcut of getting you to like say, okay, no, this is what's going on because this actor who's in this very serious show or who's very good at what they do, uh, you know, they wouldn't take this on if it wasn't, these are people who have control of their careers. They wouldn't take this on if this wasn't like a good script or something worthwhile. Um, I'm not going to say like the script was perfect. There was some comedy that didn't land. There was some comedy that actually landed very well. 
Um, but clearly the acting choices were, t- were completely based around getting the biggest names in whatever big franchise going right now, getting them into this film and making it happen. There was clearly a goal here. They probably spent the most money on getting these actors to do this. I really think that because I think a lot of these actors could could command just about any payday um, that they wanted. Okay, and that let that leads us to special effects. This movie, and I know I've seen other reviews for it where everybody was complaining about all the fight scenes were in the dark. I agree. I think that that's a problem. Um, it is well known, and this has been true for decades with CGI, that it's easier to do to make something look real and to make CGI look good. Okay in, um, you know, when it's dark. Okay. Because you don't have to have like the light necessarily, or like, you know, like a a fixed light source, like the sun playing off of whatever CGI creation that you have. Um, there's just ways. And like, and there's a lot of rain in this movie. And that also, I think hid a lot of what otherwise could have been maybe rough CGI, uh, for, for a lot of the monsters and vehicles, even in this, in this movie. Um, So I think that's what was going on there. And maybe they, you know, I mean, you still have a movie budget that you can't really go over. Granted, Warner Brothers is trying to create, because understand this is part of an entire universe that they're creating, like this, this monster, this Godzilla, this monster universe where Kong's in it and Mothra's in it and all this other stuff, you know, and they're probably going to make movies, you know, separate movies around a lot of these different monsters. And I'm excited for all of them, especially with the direction that Godzilla King of the Monsters took. Um, You know, I'm really, I'm ready for that. Uh, but I imagine that if there was any place that they gave this movie the short shrift with budget, it might've been special effects. That does not mean we didn't get a shit ton of monster ass kicking action. We did get a lot of that. There's a little too much humans in this, you know, but I think that they're really just prepping people for the fact that, no, you're going to fall in love with the monsters. This is about monsters. This is about this gigantic action happening. The humans are in Godzilla movies, most Godzilla movies, the humans are an afterthought. There are very few where that's not true. In fact, it's the three I mentioned before. The original Godzilla from the 50s, um, Shin Godzilla, and Godzilla Final Wars are three movies where what the humans are going through actually matters. And like that, that it's, it's something that you care about. Okay. Uh, so there's a little too much human action in this and understand if you didn't see the 2014 Godzilla movie, or if you didn't see Kong, um, night, you can go into this movie and it's going to look like, wow, suddenly there's whole, this whole universe, there's Monarch and all this stuff, which you get introduced to in Kong, you know, and they have all these vehicles and the military has all this impressive shit ready to take on these monsters and everything. Believe me, that's just introduced out of nowhere in this movie, but because it's a Godzilla movie, that's fine because you don't need all of the explanation of where the hell all this shit came from. Right. So for all that, I mean, you know, don't think you're coming into this mid, this is really the beginning of the franchise. The previous two movies, while not horrible, Kong was actually a a very good movie. In my opinion, 2014 Godzilla, perhaps not so much. You you are coming into this very fresh and you are very much seeing like the, the first entry in this film. And, and I, again, I said, it's a good one. It's a very good one. I dare say as far as Godzilla goes, it's great. It's definitely one of the better Godzilla movies I've ever seen. And I've seen them all. Um, that said, now, why don't we touch on, so special effects, they work. Let's just put it that way. They work. Um, I hope we get some daytime fights, especially since, 
well, there, there's a lot of hinting at, and you knew this was coming just based on the fact that they made a Kong movie, that eventually you have to get Kong versus Godzilla. That would appear to be perhaps the next movie, unless they're going to do a singles film with, I don't know, like they're going to do, maybe they'll do a Mothra movie or something like that. Uh, I hope that that ends up being a lot of daytime because Skull Island, you generally experience that during the day. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to to that. And hopefully this movie, I don't know what it's doing in the box office, but hopefully it's doing very, very well. And, it, you know, Warner Brothers is going to feel justified to do more of these monster movies because they're really on the right track with this. Um, you get again, you get a lot of monsters in this one. There's some newer ones that I thought were, were kind of interesting that looked pretty wild that I'm sure we'll get more about. I'm fine with them introducing new monsters. I mean, they brought in Rodan. You brought in Mothra. The treatment of Mothra was very well done. In fact, you even get the twins very uniquely laid out in this. You still get the twins. Now they don't do, they don't sing their whole song of, you know, Mothra. Like, like you don't really get that, but the twins are there who are the ones that speak and do all the prophecy and whatever for, uh, you know, for, for, for Mothra. Uh, Mothra was tremendous in this. Uh, in fact, I was, I was amazed. Well, I guess here's some spoilers. I was amazed that the relationship between Mothra and Godzilla gets so well laid out and it is made very clear that Mothra is female. That's been, a, in fact, actually Godzilla's gender is, has both of those have been up to very much up to debate, uh, over the decades, you know, as to where there's times where it seems like Mothra is a him, but then maybe it's a her, but then Mothra keeps getting reborn. Also, you know, Godzilla is, you know, maybe like some, there's, there's some amphibians, right. That, uh, actually change their gender throughout their lifetime. Maybe it's something like that. Who knows? But it's see, basically Mothra gets labeled as the queen of the monsters, um, in this movie. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I thought that was a nice touch. I think the way they did, they handled Mothra was very respectful. The additions of certain defensive abilities, like she has like a, almost like a wasp stinger of sorts, I think. And, and like these different pincers, I, I, I or not pincers. Um, well, any, I don't know what you would call it on an insect. It's, it's escaping me, but they added a lot to Mothra that I thought was really well done. I, I think the, the expansion they did upon Mothra was, was fantastic. Um, the way they handled Ghidra, very well done. Um, some people are complaining that the bulk of the time that you saw Ghidra, Ghidra is just like the storm coming. I don't know. I like that. I thought that made it a lot more ominous and it almost reminded me of like V'ger in Star Trek one. Um, and, and I, I dug that. I thought that was, that was very cool. Uh, to speak about the music, the music definitely takes a big stage in this and you get the return of the classic Mothra theme, the classic Godzilla theme with some enhancement by Bear McCreary, which look, when Bear McCreary is doing great content as compared to doing like Battlestar Galactica, when he's actually doing, you know, good stuff, um, or, you know, stories that are, they're solid and, and great productions, which none of which Battlestar Galactica is, uh, I, you know, Bear McCreary can do, can do really great work music wise. And I think he totally delivered in this movie. Uh, Bear McCurry was did brilliant music and the expansions, even that he did upon like the Godzilla theme where there's some like chorus behind it. Uh, all of that was really cool. Like, I mean, and, and it really added to the, um, uh, the majesty I think of, of Godzilla. Um, another great, I mean, so a lot of great, great monster fighting sequences in this, in my opinion, I, I really, really dug a lot of that. It is what you are going to go see. It's what you're there for. A little too much time spent on the humans. I agree. I would have had more monsters fighting. That's what I want. But the monster action that we did get was tremendous. And so I think it makes it worthwhile. Another nice addition 
was this discovery. Here's a bit of a spoiler alert, but this discovery of an, uh, like a proto civilization of some kind, a, a very old human civilization kind of it would appear to be pre Sumerian, even though it has certain Sumerian, uh, uh, hints to it where you find out like that they worshiped these Titans or these monsters. They, they call them Titans in the movie. They worship them as gods. Like Godzilla was literally their God and they worshiped him and so on. And you get to go to like one of these underwater cities, almost like an Atlantis style thing, uh, where, you know, you find out about a lot of that, about the history of these monsters. And I thought that was really cool. The sad part is, is they blow the fucking city up <laughs> in pretty short order. I mean, they can expand upon it in other movies, I'm sure. And I'd love to see that. I'd love to see some history. Like I'd love to see Godzilla, you know, interacting with humans in prehistory, what that ended up looking like. That would be a really cool movie to check out. Uh, maybe we'll get that in the future or hell, even a TV show. I don't know. I'm, I'm game for any of it, even an audiobook. Fuck, I'll take it. Uh, but I'd love to see the visuals personally, because Godzilla is a very visual, you know, franchise. So all of that was really cool. A lot, any new additions that they did, I thought actually really worked. Um, even like Monarch as an organization worked. Um, and I know there's conspiracy people that are just going to run around that, right? Like, you know, Operation Monarch, Monarch right? MK Ultra and all that. This doesn't appear to be hinting at that. This has to do with monsters, but... You know, I, I mean, real quick, I'll bring up, I know some people want to talk about also that like in our search engine age, that you have a lot of people who claim that, you know, and, and even I have kind of wondered about it sometimes, like when Katy Perry, when did her album come out? Her, she named, she titled her album Prism. And this is right at the same time that Edward Snowden was releasing documents about like the NSA's program prism. And so the idea that you would name something in a movie to obfuscate search engine results. Like if you typed in government agency monarch, now you're going to end up with a bunch of sites because there's a bunch of quote unquote fans out there who are going to make, you know, websites and wikis and whatever about the Godzilla movies and the government or the, it's not even, or it's a government organization. It's not a military organization though yet. Anyway, that's an argument within the film, within this movie Godzilla, but where, you know, like Monarch, when you type in government Monarch, now it would come up with Godzilla King of the Monsters as to where before this movie came out, you would end up with, or before Kong even, you would end up with finding, oh, Operation Monarch, oh, you know, MK Ultra and all this stuff. And so this is a way of hiding it in search engine results. Uh, you know, the Prism one was a little too on the nose. This, I, I don't know that I would go so far as to claim that kind of conspiracy. Uh, but, and, I, and I'm not using conspiracy as a pejorative. I'm just saying, I don't know that I'd go that far. Okay. So anyway, um, to, to get into the rest with this film, kind of the overall message of this film An overall message of this film is that the earth is out of balance. Okay. There we, you know, climate change, blah, blah, blah. Humans are fucking everything up. Um, this is not an uncommon thing to, to parlay and to say within cinema. It's in fact, it's downright common. This kind of thing happens. In fact, hell, Ellen and I, we were reviewing um, Batman and Robin, and that was kind of a message within Batman and Robin. And that was from 1997 or 98, whatever. You know, it's, this isn't like a new thing. Okay. So I, again, I also, I don't know that this is predictive programming, right? Where like, they're trying to get people used to the idea that, oh, we got to, you know, rewild and we got to go back and do all the blah, 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 blah. You know, this is what Hollywood's teaching us and everything. These are not new concepts. They've been put in media 
forever, for literally for decades. But I don't, I also don't think that it's inconsistent. And this is where I think this really comes from. I think this movie was very clearly done by people that understood Godzilla and that were fans and kudos to Warner brothers for hiring people like that. Because I think that regardless of what version of Godzilla you're watching, okay, what timeline, what continuity, whatever, the reason I think consciously or unconsciously that people enjoy kids, adults, depending upon what part of the world you're in, that they enjoy Godzilla is they enjoy kind of the dumb fun of rampant destruction, you know, that might be happening, but it's a little more than that. I think that just like, you know, a lot of people ask the question about like, say with dinosaurs, right? Why do kids love dinosaurs? And there is the, you know, a, a, a very popular theory out there that the reason kids love dinosaurs is because it's an unconscious thing. And it's because the dinosaurs you know, could potentially in their eyes could protect them from the monsters of this world, which might include their parents might include, you know, a neighbor might include what they see happening in the city that they live in, whatever. And I think with Godzilla, it's a very similar thing where unconsciously we all know that there's some, everybody knows this, you know, maybe anarchists and other folk can, you know, put, put more of a name and an idea to what's going on in the world. But I I think everybody knows that things just aren't right. Like that there's just this underlying tension of this is all fucked up. Everything that we know about civilization, everything we know about the world, it's just not right. Something's wrong. And I think when you see such primal forces, even when it's in a rubber suit, like Godzilla in the past, I mean, that was the best effects of their day. So you, you bought it. You enjoy that for, for the fact that, okay, it is, it's tearing all of this down and we're going to get at the heart of what the real problem is. Perhaps not, not that Godzilla is an anarchist or anything, obviously not. Right. <laughs> but, but you get my point is that this tearing down a civilization, seeing all of this come down hits that unconscious part of us that knows that there's just something wrong with all of this. Not necessarily saying civilization is bad, just that there's something wrong with the way that it's set up right now. And I think that there's an unconscious appreciation of that kind of rampant destruction. Again, it's unconscious. It's something very primal. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying we know there's something wrong with the world. And when we see something so powerful that it, that nothing can stop it, even the wrongs in this world could stop it. There's a certain appreciation for that. I know that's looking very deep into Godzilla movies, but I think that that's the unconscious motivation of what's enjoyed by it. And then it's just fun to see this stuff happen. You know, that's <laughs> But, but I think that there is that kind of unconscious thing. And so for that to be kind of a message, a very big message in this movie, an open message in this movie is really, in my opinion, just openly, just like the original Godzilla film from the fifties was a commentary, a serious commentary on atomic power and what, you know, bringing in the atomic bomb or, uh, you know, with the, yeah, about the A-bomb, this is Godzilla has always kind of been a commentary on that you know, humanity kind of fails when it doesn't respect nature and it doesn't appreciate nature. That's not new for Godzilla. It's just being blatant in this movie finally. And it's been blatant in other ones too, but now it's just really being blatant. So I don't really have a problem with that. And I, and I think that it was, uh, or, you know, like with that message being in a Godzilla film, I think it only makes sense. Um, now during the end credits and yes, there are end credit sequences. You're going to want to see those. 
during the end credits, there's like newspaper headlines about how having the Titans running wild, uh, like, I don't know, their poop can create new energy sources. Like there's like newspaper headlines, kind of like at the end of Bill and Ted's bogus journey, how like you find out it's similar to, you know, air guitar gets rid of smog, right? Like that was a newspaper headline in, in the Bill and Ted's movies. Um, you know, all, all this other stuff. (laughs) It's very interesting. Um, you can't read all the headlines fast enough. I actually want to, I really want to rewatch the end credits again, just to read what all those headlines were saying, but it's more playing on that theme. That's definitely something that they're, that they're running with. Um, it'll be interesting if they decide to eventually have like, you know, have this whole series go all primal rage as in the video game, primal rage, and you end up on the new earth and you know, the, the, the Titans are, are running the earth again. Maybe they'll go that far. I, I don't know, but I definitely want more in this series. I thought this movie was very well done. Great action. Um, you know, the storyline doesn't need to be one. It's a Godzilla movie. I mean, you don't need a great storyline, but what they put in was enough to, you know, I, I mean, I will say this, like, I don't think I Hollywood, I think has it wrong when they think that you need to have humans in the movie for you to be able to relate. I, I just, I don't believe that. I don't think that that's necessary, but whatever they tried it, maybe now they'll realize that, that, that the monsters themselves are character enough that we can just enjoy seeing the monsters do their thing. I'm hoping that's a future movies will, will have in it. Um, that's, that's my real only hope for the future. I can't wait for the Mecha Godzilla movie. I think that's, you know, they gotta be thinking about that already. Uh, that's going to be fucking insane. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to that. So I am pleased with where this franchise is going now. Does that, you know, speak against my concept that entertainment is dead? No, because Godzilla has been around forever. And the reason I like it is because it is Godzilla. Uh, you know, it's the problem is, is that like everything else kind of beforehand uh, or everything like like anything new that they're putting out there or something that isn't so amenable to getting remade like the Godzilla franchises. Uh, those are falling flat and failing, but Godzilla doesn't fall under these rules because you don't have to have a big message. Or if there is a message, you just play off the ones that have been in the Godzilla movies already. And you, you know, you have a good time with them, uh, whether they were, you know, blatant or implied kind of messages. So anyway, yeah, I'm excited for this franchise. We'll see where it keeps going. Uh, from here, I can't wait for Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, those I enjoyed the original ones of that from way back. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that action again. So, all right, uh, real quick, we'll give you your album of the week. And the album of the week is from a band that's been around for boy, a good while now, almost 15 years. Uh, that is Imperia. Uh, and this is a metal album. They're out of Finland. Um, and, or, well, actually I, I, th- I think a bunch of them come from different countries. They come from all over Europe. Uh, the real, the real show here, is with Imperia is uh, Helena Michelson, who is the lead singer. She can, she has very interesting range. She can get very operatic and then she can get really guttural. It's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and a lot of people, like when they think of Imperia, they instantly think of her because conventionally she's ridiculous. I mean, she, she's a very sexy woman, right? I mean, like, and, and most people instantly, I, like, I'm just, I'm just saying 
what most metal fans would say. They instantly think of her tits because it, anyway, it's kind of crazy, but she's a very intense performer, very intense singer. Check her, like check out Imperia on YouTube, you know, to really, really get a, get a taste for that. Um, but their latest album flames of eternity is one of their better albums. Uh, in my opinion, it's not exactly track for track, but there's three or four songs on there that you're really gonna, you know, really gonna end up, uh, enjoying, um, in my opinion. And I, I actually, I didn't think I figured Imperial was done. I didn't think that they were going to keep going. Uh, Helena's, you know, 40 something now, which is no problem. Uh, but Anyway, like, let's see, opens up a scarred soul. That's a, that's a solid song. Uh, Invisible Tears, very, very epic. Um, yeah, there, there's good stuff on this. So do check it out. It's a little harder than the usual stuff that I listen to, but it's more of your gothic metal. I like that sort of thing. So Imperia, and if you haven't listened to their other music, they, I mean, they have awesome albums. Uh, was it the Ancient Dance of Katesh? That that was their first album. That was really cool. Uh, Tears of Silence was their last one before this one that I, I really enjoyed. So Imperia, tremendous album. But again, more of your gothic metal. Uh, but but see, watch Helena Michelson. She is just a fucking force of nature. You talk about like Godzilla, right? She's just she's an absolute force of nature. Um, and Imperia, I mean, definitely their production levels have been a little cons- inconsistent over the years, which is why I don't like rank them in in. Like, I, I don't know that they'd ever make one of my top bands list, even might not even be in my top 100. Okay. Uh, maybe in my top 100, but I do dig what they put out there. And I thought that their, their latest album of uh, flames of eternity was very solid, uh, and, and better than, than a couple of the albums that I can think of that they put out over the years. So check out Imperia flames of eternity just came out this year. A lot of other great albums come out this year that I keep hearing about, uh, in fact, uh, Airborne's got a new album coming out this year. I can't wait to hear that. So anyway, that's it for your Wednesday Q&A that was supposed to come out last week. is now this week, and then hopefully you'll get Wednesdays this Wednesday, blah, blah, blah. You know the deal. I will see all of you woo, on the other side.